This is Prayer Room Companion, episode 47, recorded Wednesday, April 6, 2011. Bishops, priests, and deacons, oh my. Welcome to This Week in Prayer Room Companion. I am your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I am Father Andrew Dickinson, closer and, to you than ever before. And ever before. <laughs> Father uh, is is in Sioux Falls, and we'll explain why momentarily, but uh, we're, we're able to record. We normally record face-to-face, virtually speaking, but now we're... Actually, I usually hide the video of you, so I don't have to look at you for too wow. long, actually. So... If you find me looking off into a corner or just at blank walls, it's because it's just a little overwhelming. Well, maybe we shouldn't have sat face to face. Maybe we should have done the uh, perpendicular seating. Anyway, so uh, we are in the fourth week of Lent as we're recording Wednesday, the fourth week of Lent. Latare. Uh, is it Latare week or was that well, just... Well, if it's Latare Sunday, Sunday, it has to be Latare week, doesn't it? So do you wear the rosacea no. vest? Oh, okay. The rubies don't say to uh, rosacea vestments, but rosacea is the proper. Uh, rose is also okay. Pink is out. Pink is out. Pink, is, pink out. is out. I am tough enough to wear pink, like for breast cancer rock. I'll certainly do that. But at mass, I'm wearing rose, not pink. Yes, 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 yes. So, so Father is in town because, uh, not because it's uh, Laetare week, uh, but because uh, in the Diocese of Sioux Falls, um, tonight we're having uh, the Chrism Mass. Um, now, nor- uh, yeah, normally, or in many places, Chrism Mass is celebrated the um, the morning of Holy Thursday. Uh, I, I was privileged when I studied in Rome to be able to attend in, in St. Peter's, the Chrism Mass. Uh, Father, I believe you've attended Chrism Mass. Uh, well, I, uh, uh, I've attended Chrism Mass at other dioceses where I went to, uh, to seminary. And uh, like there, they would... Um, uh, the, the desire to have uh, the Chrism Mass on Holy Thursdays because the Chrism Mass is very much uh, associated with the priesthood. Right. And we'll get into some more of those details a little more and talk about what goes on at the Chrism Mass. Because um, at the Chrism Mass, uh, the oils that are used by the bishop and by priests in the diocese for you to come are blessed or the Chrism oil is consecrated. Right. And hence we call it the Chrism Mass. And uh, we're, Im- Funny we're, we're, how that works. we're incredibly imaginative <laughs> in the Catholic Church. And uh, so. We have this day for this Mass, and so typically it's it's ideally done in the morning, Holy Thursday, because right. Holy Thursday, the Mass of the Lord's Supper, is the institution of the priesthood. Exactly. So, uh, you know, we have the chrism, and then, you know, celebrate the Mass of the institution of uh, the sacramental and sacrificial priesthood of Jesus Christ. Um, and the Eucharist. And the Eucharist. Well, I mean, no priest, no Eucharist. That's right, exactly. There we go. If Jesus himself was not a priest in the order of Melchizedek, he would not have celebrated the Eucharist, but because he is, he did. Y- yes, Yes. There we go. Yes. Psalm 110. Yes. And uh, was that too biblical for you? I, I was lost there when you started. Who? Mel, 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 who what? Mel, uh, Methuselah? <laughs> That's another great Mel name from the Bible. Methuselah, so, yes. And by the way, if you want to name your children uh, Melchizedek or Methuselah, I encourage you to do that. Uh, you can always shorten it up to Mel. It's a very masculine, That's good so manly name. Mel Torme, you know. I'm great. Mel, um, if you our first podcast together, character uh, Mel. Uh, was that Mal? Oh, you're M-A-L right. from you're Inception? Right. Mal. Yes. Mal. Okay. And uh, but anyways, well, this is incredibly. So, this wow, is, this is some tangent. This, this is great. This is, <laughs> <laughs> so you've been. I, I was so what, Thursday morning or right. uh, Thursday morning. I've been to chrism masses uh, held on Tuesday of Holy Week, mm-hmm. uh, and the Archdiocese of Denver. Where I went to seminary, and then uh, here in South Dakota, we typically do it a few weeks uh, before Holy Week. Um, mainly because uh, here in our diocese, it's large. 
uh, I mean, it's 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 the whole it's the whole eastern half of the state of South Dakota, and the whole eastern half of the state of South Dakota is about the size of Pennsylvania. <laughs> uh, almost close enough. And uh, <laughs> I mean, pretty much is big, right? Well, but South Dakota is big. Yes. In is. fact, uh, we had um, just this week we we're privileged to have uh, some of the uh, Sisters for Life, a religious order out of New York City, that were in uh, some parishes in the diocese. They spent. Uh, over a day at our Newman Center, which was oh. wonderful. And as they were leaving, I was saying to them, well, I'm going down to the Chrism Mass today. And I could see in their eyes a little question, oh, Chrism Mass, because I'm sure in New York City it's Holy, Holy Thursday, Thursday, if not in Holy Week, right. just because it's an urban diocese in that way. And uh, I said, uh, you know, you drove two hours, you know, not counting traffic, you know, because there's no traffic in South Dakota, but you drove two and a half hours to get here on Monday, and you haven't even been through a half of the driving distance right. some people have to go through in our diocese. Right. Um, so we do it then, and the right says we can, and we do. And so, so to be clear, just because, yeah, because of the large geographic, and for the you as the priest, because this is obviously a mass in a particular way for the priests of the diocese together with the bishop, um, for you to, I mean, all the other, I was tweeting with uh, one of uh, uh, your brother priests this morning for the Jeff Norfolk in Aberdeen. He can't even leave till three because priestly obligations in the parish. Um, so he'll be able to make it in time for the mass, but just the, the life of a, of a priests on the prairie um, sort of make, would make it difficult. And especially, particularly, I know that many parishes everywhere throughout the world, including here, Holy Week, oftentimes there are um, reconciliation services, opportunities right. for confession, uh, Holy Week. And so it's very difficult for priests to be able to get away. Very much so. And, and very important to do those. Uh, times of confession for the faithful, it's more on their mind in the week, especially with the Passion reading on Palm Sunday. Right. Uh the, uh, but also that importance, though, too, to make it available to the priests, the priests to have that fraternity, to have that upbuilding. Right. And soon for Father Norfolk, you know, uh, a little just, you know, sad for him. I have a three-hour drive from Aberdeen, right. you know, <laughs> two-hour mass, and then a three-hour drive home. Right. And uh, the, uh, um, I think the other thing with that, too, is so in, the, in this day of Chrism Mass, uh, we do things. We'll have uh, a conference uh, encouragement of us in our priestly vocation, our priestly spirituality. Mm-hmm. We will have uh, uh, an opportunity for confession uh, for ourselves, mm-hmm. which is always great. As I as I point out to my students at the Newman Center, um, when you want to go to confession, you can just slip in behind the anonymous screen. Typically, when I got want to go to confession, I'm usually having to hear confessions when other priests are hearing confessions. Right. And so for me, it's usually, you know, pick up the phone, beep, beep, beep. Yeah, hey, Father Bob. Yeah, Father Andrew here. I'm a horrible sinner. <laughs> you know, would you, would you hear my confession? And so a great opportunity for us just to get a confession when there's a big group of us uh, together. So more today, uh, focus on the Mass. Mass will be the summit of our day, the high point, 7 o'clock uh, for us. But also to have that encouragement, to have a conference, to have some fraternity, to have an con- uh, uh, opportunity for confession. We'll have some social. We'll have a dinner together. Right. Uh, and to be around our bishop. Right. And to be gathered around our bishop. Uh, and one of the things like for us as a diocese in, in South Dakota, it's interesting, we're so modern, but in some ways we're still a missionary diocese. You know, we're, I'm not riding horse to go to mass, <laughs> you know, unless I want to. Um, but at the, at the same time, we're still very, we're very spread out. We're very missionary in that way. Right. Um, we're not like an urban European center in some ways. And, that, uh, and so maybe, I don't know if I, I, I dare to use this word, um, but maybe uh, having Holy Week outs, or having Chrism Mass outside of Holy Week is a bit of enculturation. 
uh, here on the plains, Ooh. and I think a very legitimate and proper right. one. Right. One of the interesting things to me about the, in the, the introductory rubrics for Mass tonight, it says, to show the unity of the presbyter, presb, presbyterium, uh, the priests of the diocese, the priests who can celebrate with the bishop should come from different parts of the diocese. Hmm. Now, obviously, all of you are con celebrating, um, but but it's I, I do know that. I mean, you can't always get every every priest can't always be there because of obligations. But I know that oftentimes uh, the, the majority of the priests of our diocese are able to come, and they do come from great distances. Even further, you mentioned Aberdeen, which is a good distance, but there are parishes that are even further out, and the priests are able to make it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, so a three-hour, and that's not a, for those of you that may not be in a country setting listening, a three-hour drive in South Dakota is a three-hour drive. I mean, that's 180 miles right. or longer, actually, from Aberdeen right. with a 75-mile-an-hour speed limit. Right. God bless <laughs> South Dakota. <laughs> but that, but the, the unity, you, you, you may speak about gathering with the bishop, and mm-hmm. I, it, that's one of the beautiful things. Of, um, Renee Leach, who's one of the guest co-hosts, she loves this mass. She was talking about this on a previous podcast because of the the gathering of the priests of the diocese together with the high priest of the diocese, the bishop. Very much so. And last year, I was really moved by Bishop Swain's homily. I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to uh, preach on this year. But just give a beautiful, loving witness to some of his experiences of just the simple joy of being a priest himself. Right. And uh, my heart was really moved for him. And I just encourage you listeners to be praying for bishops, uh, pray for priests, but also pray for bishops in this regard that so often bishops uh, might be under the weight or the temptation to just be administrative, to uh, just doing the and very necessary executive roles of, uh, of their office as chief shepherd for a diocese, but to be able to get back to some of that simple joys of one-on-one ministry. I know of uh, the Archbishop in Denver, Archbishop Hugh, was always very careful to make sure that he had times each week when he would hear confessions and that some bishops don't have an opportunity to hear confessions. I know uh, Pope John Paul II would usually hear confessions on Good Friday. Right. Made it that tradition to be back to that essence of priestly ministry again, um, which, you know, as a bishop, you receive the fullness of the priesthood, theologically, but in some ways, practically, uh, you become more of a... There's a temptation and a pull by the world and the obligations of the world we live in to become more of a CEO right. instead of just that priest. So to hear him speak beautifully and lovingly about his priesthood was very inspiring to me as a priest. I wanted to, I wanted to go up to him afterwards and just say, anytime you want, you drive up uh, to Pius Twelfth Newman Center and you hop in the confessional at 4.30, you yeah. take the mass at 5.30, them, no announcement, you just show up and do it if you want to. Do you, this is some unfair to you, do you remember any details of because I, I, correct me, I, maybe you mm-hmm. won't remember, but I, I, I think I recall he, in, in his homily, he, he spoke about, and it, maybe, it may have been another, I don't know if his own experience or referring to another priest's experience, maybe John the Twenty Third actually is Pope. Anyway, uh, uh, being with somebody who was dying. Right, that's the story I remember. It was ministering to someone who was dying, giving them the anointing of the sick, so using that uh, uh, that oil of the sick that he'd blessed at that chrism mass. Mm. So using that, ministering to that person, shepherding that soul into death. Right. You know, and that beautiful thing, I remember if we've done a podcast on this, but we should someday, is the art of dying. Mm. You know, to actively engage your death, that death isn't something passive that just happens to you. Right. Kind of that modern scientific notion of it, but something you can actively engage in spirit, soul, personality, with your family, with your friends, with your parish. And so that privilege of a priest and be able to shepherd a soul in that way uh, definitely uh, you know, left its mark on him. Whether it was someone else's experience that he was relating or his, yeah. I don't remember for sure. I thought it was his. But. And, and, I, and I think also maybe the context was... Um, and certainly if he didn't sit in his homily, we do hear it oftentimes, how you as priests 
are with the souls of the faithful. I mean, at, at all the major points, all these major points in life, yeah. baptism, hatch, match, and dispatch, as, they, as we say. <laughs> yeah. Hatch, match, when, and so hatch, uh, baptism, and birth, match, marriage, marriage uh, dispatch, dispatch yeah. death, and funeral. And, and so, really, truly, I mean, uh, accompanying the faithful and all those, those and, and hopefully fathering them. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it is. I mean, I, I remember. I, I I know why you were moved by it. I recall it as well. It was a powerful, powerful homily. Um, and I do think you know, I, I I completely agree. It's important to pray for our bishops because there is that it, it, just the pull of their responsibilities right. it, um, to 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 minister and shepherd an, an entire diocese, and 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 there's so much that they have to do that. Um, it's important to pray for them that they're able to engage that priestly aspect of who they are. And I think if we uh, dive into a little bit of the rite of the ritual of the chrism mass, especially the uh, the blessing of the oils, it'll flesh out some of those responsibilities. Talk about this beautiful mass that maybe uh, most of us aren't able, uh, most listeners maybe are not able to go to, but uh, give you a taste of uh, the things that are done at this mass and the beautiful prayers, the rich history, but also that greater sense of how, uh, how you should be interceding and praying for uh, your own bishops your diocese, the Holy Father, and praying uh, for your priests. And actually, there's a beautiful invitation of prayer for your, uh, the priests in, in uh, the ritual of this Mass. Great. Um, one thing, oh, one of the beautiful things I do think about the, the, the fact that we do celebrate it uh, in the evening uh, is that uh, the lay faithful are able to uh, participate in a way where many people could not if it were offered Thursday holy morning of the morning of Holy Thursday. Exactly. And uh, also that uh, catechumens uh, that are going to be received in the church mm-hmm. at uh, uh, Easter, at the Easter Vigil, uh, are invited to attend, as well as uh, confirmandi uh, from the, those people that will be candidates for confirmation in uh, the months to come. There will usually be a representative body of them as well. Right. And oftentimes we have uh, just uh, religious ed programs uh, will we'll, we'll send their youth as much as possible. This year, where our cathedral is being restored, we'll open this summer. July 26th, um, Feast of St. Mary Magdalene. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but so for this year, it's at St. Mary's here in Sioux Falls, mm-hmm. but which is a large parish. So uh, there's plenty of room for people. And they're not going to hear this before 7 o'clock tonight. No, though, they're I doubt. not. So. It won't matter. Yeah. Total tangent. Yes. Not total tangent, but does it mean tangent? So Saint Mary, Feast of St. Mary Magdalene, uh, the day that we'll uh, uh, rededicate uh, the altar at... Uh, Consecrate the altar, rededicate the cathedral. St. Uh, Mary Magdalene was the cathedral that Bishop Swain was at, uh, in, as he retells it, when he was contacted to become the bishop of our diocese. Was he? He was on a retreat uh, in Salt Lake City, in the cathedral in Salt Lake City, the Catholic cathedral in, Alta, in Salt Lake City is, uh, not the tabernacle, uh, Mormons. That'd be another podcast. Uh, anyways, the cathedral is under the patronage of St. Mary Magdalene. And so I just think oh, really? yeah, interesting little that is uh, interesting. Uh, thing that way. And so I'm, I'm interested to ask Bishop Swain, see maybe those little impotent, whether it's Providence. I think it was Providence based on my conversation. I think, I okay. think it is Providence, which is beautiful, even more beautiful in some yeah. ways. St. Right? Mary Magdalene taking care of Bishop Swain, apparently. Absolutely. Awesome. So what I want to do is just real quick, I, I already read part of it, but I want to read the, um, the introductory rubrics for the Mass, which sort of explain what this Mass is. This Mass, which, this, which the bishop can celebrates with his presbyterium, and at which the oils are blessed, manifests the communion of the priests with their bishop. It is thus desirable that, if possible, all the priests take part in it and receive communion under both kinds. 
to show the unity of the presbyterium, the priests who can celebrate with the bishop come from the different parts of the diocese. Um, so, so that's the, the, the unity again of, of the priests with the bishop. And uh, I think uh, th- theologically and hopefully in reality as well, that um, I as a priest do not function unless I'm in union with the bishop. Right. You know, uh, I, uh, even if I'm, you know, somewhere else, if I go to minister in another diocese for a little bit, I have to contact that bishop. You know, Bishop Swain recommends me to them in that sense. And then even under church law, I am what they call incardinated, uh, a part of a diocese always connected to a bishop. You can't have a priest who is, uh, the Latin term is one of my favorite terms of all times, a vagus. You know, think of the uh, word vagabond, right. someone who right. wanders around. So you can't just have a priest who wanders around here and there doing what he wants to do. Right. He always has to be in union with the bishop, mm. um, with a ministry prayerfully uh, signed and discerned through a bishop, as well as uh, it's that, that union is necessary. Right. Another beautiful point uh, brought out to me is, I remember who this was, um, brought this out to us. Someone in my seminary formation said that... Um, when Jesus ordained the first priests, he ordained 12, right? right? So he began with a college of priests. And so a priest never can think of himself as someone alone. Uh-huh. He's always a part of a body. I mean, he didn't ordain one. He ordained a, a He ordained group. 12 oh, in a group. Gotcha. And so from the beginning, they were a group. They were a college. They were a company in that sense. And so there's that requirement for the priest to view themselves in that relationship. They might not agree. They might have different personalities. They might have different positions on certain things uh, in the church today. God willing, only on places where you can have a different <laughs> position. But sometimes even in places where there aren't different positions, but I'm still called to love them right. and to look upon them as my brothers, to care for them as a brother. Right. And also in that sense with the bishop as uh, my spiritual father. Right. And, and so this mass really is a beautiful manifestation of that, that reality. Right, really, this and then, an or, then uh, God willing, a diocese that has ordinations each year. Right. Um, really are the two main uh, opportunities that just in themselves, in the structure of the life of the church. Now, mm-hmm. a diocese might have other opportunities for get-togethers um, in certain ways, but uh, none with maybe this rich theological meaning as uh, the chrism mass and uh, ordinations. Right. And to be, to be able to come to, in both cases, come together, of course, in the context of a mass, I mean, yep. the source and summit of our Christian life, for that that unity to be manifested. Is, you know. and, and the unity to be created. Right, right. That is the Eucharist uh, that we share and the common priesthood of our Lord, uh, the ministerial priest of our Lord Jesus Christ that we share, that is the source of our unity. You know, I, I kind of marvel at that sometimes. I think about some of my priest friends, you know, like, would I ever be friends with, with a guy like that in the real world? You know, and I, I don't know. Right. You know, I, I doubt it. And it's, and it's through the priesthood of Jesus Christ that I've become friends with uh, some amazing, good, and holy men. Amen. Amen. Terrific. So so we have the Mass in many ways begins um, normally. I think we pointed out, I think before we recorded, there's the Gloria, which is sung, um, and, you know, atypical during Lent, of course. Uh, and then we have the readings, and then, and then the bishop uh, gives his homily. And the rubrics say, in his homily, the bishop should urge the priests to be faithful in fulfilling their office in the church and should invite them to renew publicly their priestly promises. And then we have this renewal of commitment to priestly service. So uh, I don't know if you want to walk through that or just comment on your own experience of that father. Or uh, certainly, certainly will. Um, I can find where that I'm looking for my reference. Uh, actually, uh, I remember one year where I wasn't able to go to the Christmas Mass. I was actually up in Aberdeen uh, in the same Father Norfolk is my successor, and uh, he's the successor to the chair of Andrew. Um, not quite as 
nice as the chair, Peter. But um, yeah, one year where I couldn't come down, I think uh, my pastor was able to come down for every reason. I think funeral, some other concern, I wasn't able to make it down. And I really missed it. Mm. I really didn't miss it. And it's like I really desired to go make sure I got to the ordination that year um, to be able to express just, you know, even though uh, we don't renew our vows there, but just to hear a brother renew those, uh, make those vows for the first time. And so I really did miss that. Um, so just in the text, the bishop invites the priest then uh, with the word says, uh, today we celebrate the memory of the first Eucharist at which our Lord Jesus Christ shared with his apostles and with us. So us being the apostles and then uh, the bishop himself and his brother priests, any uh, bishops that are serving the diocese. He shared with his apostles and with us his call to the priestly service of his church. Now in the presence of your bishop and God's holy people, are you ready to renew your own dedication to Christ as priests of his covenant? And so a very beautiful invitation calling to mind what's the purpose of the priest. The mm-hmm. priesthood is for the building up of the church. It, uh, it, it, ser- it serves and sanctifies the church in that way, calling to mind there the catechism and its documents on, or its sections on the priesthood. That's a sacrament in the service of the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So his so first thing he asks them is about the responsibilities uh, for the sake of the church. So he'll ask them, at your ordination, you accepted the responsibilities of the priesthood out of love for the Lord Jesus and his church. Are you resolved to unite yourselves more closely to Christ and to become more like him by joyfully sacrificing your own pleasure and ambitions to bring his peace and love to your brothers and sisters? So there, that first question really striking to the priest's motivation, Mm -hmm. the priest's uh, focus in his church. You know, why are you serving as a priest? Is it for your own personal gain and opportunity for us to examine my priesthood? Am I gaining from my priesthood? You know, a priest may not make explicit vows of poverty like a consecrated religious would, but in a certain sense, the priest shouldn't be gaining great profit from his priestly ministry. He should be, you know, even if his people are generous to him at Christmas time, you know, is he making tithes? Is he making gifts of what is uh, is superfluous or unnecessary in his ministry? I was thinking about just in the way, you know, I live my day as a priest. I'm making within reason, within prudence, uh, a sacrifice of my day, of my hours. Mm-hmm. You know, you as a as a husband and father have very tangible reminders of your need to sacrifice. Right. Um, you know, a wife who sleeps beside you, children who cry for you in the middle of the night. Right. Or uh, now, but for me as a priest, um, they can be a little removed. Mm-hmm. Now, we know that husbands and fathers neglect their duties, sadly, right. frequently. And we know that priests are not immune from that as well. So this... Uh, something for you to pray for your priest on in this vow of his motivation for his mm. priestly service. So the bishop calling to mind that resolve at the day of his ordination and asking the priest to rededicate himself in that way. And then the second uh, question, he says, are you resolved to be faithful ministers of the mystery of God, to celebrate the Eucharist and the other liturgical services with sincere devotion? Are you resolved to imitate Jesus Christ, the head and shepherd of the church, by teaching the Christian faith? without thinking of your own profit, solely for the well-being of the people you were sent to serve. There it's interesting to know, so, of course, the priest dedication in specifically the liturgical services and in the teaching office, so sanctifying and teaching, mm-hmm. which are offices that he receives from his bishop, responsibilities he receives from the bishop. I teach my parish at the behest and for Bishop Swain. I sanctify my parish through the, through the Mass and through other liturgical services, devotions, uh, on behalf and in uh, the person of, in the place of Bishop Swain in that way. It's interesting, too, to know, you know, it's not just the Eucharist, but other 
right. liturgical services. Right. So that's wakes at funerals, weddings outside of mass, confession, uh, but also liturgy of the hours, opportunities of adoration and prayer, other devotions for the faithful as well, extra liturgical in that way, rosaries, things like that. Am I as a priest providing those things for my faithful and fostering their use of them? Um, and then also to imitate Jesus by teaching, um, by teaching the Christian faith without thinking of my own prophet. I think that's an interesting thing there. Um, just recently I gave a homily that was kind of hard for me to give. And what I find when I'm fighting moments like that is I want to protect my own well-being. Mm. What if they don't like what I say? Right. What if they get upset? What if they don't put money in the collection basket? And these are real fears in the hearts of priests. And that's the one that's talking about there as far as my, my own prophet. In that sense, even, it's not just necessarily a monetary profit, but what if they don't like me? What if I don't get invited over to dinner? What if they write letters to the bishop asking for me to be removed? Yeah, I, I think sometimes people can get, uh, can, can, um, you know, why does a father preach about X, Y, or Z? And, yeah, and hellfire it, and brimstone. Or even, or even the, you know, contraception or whatever, abortion, mm-hmm. the, the, the big cultural, like third rails. Right, homosexuality. Um, yeah, exactly. So I, I think... I mean, certainly in the in the right context, it's that that those things need to be taught, of course. But we just need to remember the reality of of the things you were just describing. I mean, the the natural human fears that anybody, most people, I should say, would experience, would face when they're contemplating having need to to speak these things out of season. Very much so. The awesome responsibility to speak them, but then also just that human fear. You know, and then thinking of Peter, you know, we spoke about uh, Peter, I believe, in our last, yep, Peter in yep. our last podcast, you know, walking away from Rome. Right. You know, whether the community asked him to, to protect himself or whether it was that internal fear that he might have had. Right. Um, so very important things to pray for. for. And then, uh, so the bishop then goes on, he addresses the people. He says, my brothers and sisters, pray for your priests. One sentence. Yeah. My brothers and sisters, pray for your priests. Uh Ask the Lord to bless them with the fullness of his love, to help them be faithful ministers of Christ's high priest, so that they will be able to lead you to him, so that they will be able to lead you to him, the fountain of your salvation. Then goes on and says, pray also for me, that despite my own unworthiness, I may faithfully fulfill the office of apostle which Jesus Christ has entrusted to me. Pray that I might become, that I may become more like our high priest and good shepherd. And so that desire for transformation so just very beautiful invitations mm-hmm. to you, uh, the lay faithful, uh, mm-hmm. listening to be praying every day, hopefully for your priests. You know, whether it's at Our Father, at the beginning of your rosary, praying for the Holy Father, for your bishop, for your priests. Um, need it. <laughs> yes. Yes, you If do. only you knew. <laughs> okay, so after, after this, um, the, the renewal of commitment to priestly service, then we have, of course, you were talking at the very beginning, early on, about why we call this the chrism mass because there's the blessing of chrisms and of oils um so you want to talk about a little about that certainly uh there are three oils in uh the life of the church that are used there is uh the oil of the sick the oil of catechumens and the oil of chrism now the oil of the sick is pretty uh, self-explanatory it's used in the anointing of the sick uh and for whenever anyone's uh, ill whenever anyone's sick um we uh, uh, we use this oil for the for that anointing in their right. Um, the oil of the catechumens is used for those who are entering into the church. Uh, they're anointed with this oil before baptism. It's the only time this oil is used is uh, when you're anointed for baptism. Maybe someone going through RCIA might be anointed with the oil of catechumens. 
couple weeks ahead of time. Right. Uh, an infant will be uh, anointed with that oil on the, as part of the exorcism rites yep. at uh, the uh, start of the baptismal rite. And then the oil of chrism, which, from which the mass gets its name. The chrism oil is a little different. Now, the oil of uh, the infirm, the oil of the catechumens is blessed. And uh, we each had the text in front of us here. And it's just, it's, it's a blessing. And it makes a difference, though, about whether it's a blessing, whereas the chrism oil is consecrated. Right. And so the church calling to uh, that there's something different going on here. In fact, in an emergency situation, if I don't have oil of the infirm, if I don't have uh, oil of catechumens, I can bless it myself as a priest. Hmm. So if I'm baptizing someone in an emergency situation or maybe in a place where I don't have access to the oil stocks, I can do that. I can never make chrism, I believe. Really? Yes. Interesting. Yes. So um, so with a beautiful uh, prayer of protection for the sick, um, it says, May they be freed for the oil for the infirm. May they be freed from pain and illness and made well again body, mind, and soul. Um, and so calling to mind, of course, Jesus Christ, who is the physician of our souls. Uh, the oil uh, for the catechumens asks that uh, God who blesses this oil would give wisdom and strength to all who are anointed with it in preparation for their baptism. And give them a deeper understanding of the gospel and help them to accept the challenge of Christian living. Because Christian living, of course, doesn't end with our baptism. Confirmation, <laughs> it starts. Right. And then the consecration of the chrism. And so there's an invitation to prayer. And now, uh, like with our bishop, he'll sing these prayers typically. Yeah. Um, and uh, he doesn't sing them, I don't think, because he likes to sing. I don't think he <laughs> sings them because he thinks he's a good singer that everyone should listen to. He sings because he wants to call our attention to the importance of these prayers. Right. So he invites everyone to bow our heads and pray. At the beginning of the consecra- consecratory prayer of the chrism, he breathes on the oil. He breathes on the vessel of chrism that has both the olive oil, typically, uh, and the balsam, the perfume. And so he breathes on it. Uh, Dr. Bergwald, in your rich theological knowledge, Uh-oh. can you think of other times where uh, God or God's people breathe on others? Uh, mm, I think Jesus breathed on the apostles after the resurrection. Very good. John chapter 20. Can you think of another one? Uh, uh-oh. <laughs> um, scripture? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's the book we call it the Bible. Uh, where God breathed on somebody? Yep. No. Genesis chapter 2 in the creation of Adam, where God oh, breathes into Ruah, R U A H, the spirit life into his nostrils. Never mind. I was thinking of something else. Okay. All right. Yep. Thank you. And so, so, God, so now the bishop isn't just checking his breath here to see if it smells okay. <laughs> um, but it's so to that, that Ruah, that spirit of life that Jesus breathes on the apostles when he gives them the power of confession in John chapter 20, that God breathes into Adam, into mm-hmm. his lungs. Uh, in this creation story of Genesis chapter 2. So the Spirit of God moving over the waters, the Spirit of God that gives life. So this sense a consecration of the oil being set apart for that special purpose. A rich blessing here. We don't have time to go through the whole text. Right. Um, but going through salvation history, yeah. uh, the flood and the olive branch that's brought to Noah as a sign of peace in the receding of the floodwaters, making olive oil a sign of joy in scriptures and in our life. Um the washing and anointing of Aaron, uh, the brother of Moses, the Levit- Levitical priesthood, Jesus himself being anointed with the oil of gladness. And so this prayer calls to mind this rich history before the blessing begins. Um, and so uh, we have this uh, actual blessing with his hands extended over the oil, uh, like he would at the uh, uh, 
consecration and mass, especially the epiclesis in which the Holy Spirit is called down upon the bread and the wine is to become the body and blood of Jesus. The interesting thing here to me is that the priests who are concelebrating extend their right hand through Rick say towards the chrism, but without saying anything. So at the Eucharist, at the Eucharist, in the Mass, at the Eucharistic prayer, you do extend your hand, but you say the words of Sotto voce, yes. Uh, in a right. stage whisper, we might say, in um, with, with the celebrant, with the, 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 the bishop or another priest. Yeah. But here, you do extend your hands with, but without saying anything. Right. But interiorly taking part with that desire of God. Absolutely. And in that sense of that sharing of our, that uh, we in that lack of the fullness of the priesthood, but yet still a sharing in the bishop's uh, full priesthood. And so... Uh, and then, uh, so there is that consecration over the oil and the blessing um, for priestly service. And then finally, uh, 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 so then the oils at the end of the Mass will be distributed to uh, the priests. In fact, I forgot to turn to my form for that. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Big trouble. Yes. I have to apologize to the Master of Ceremonies. But, and so then the priest can take home uh, later that night uh, these oils uh, for the use in his parish throughout the year to come. Yeah. And one of the interesting things to me, just uh, also real quick, um, the preface, which is used during the Eucharistic prayer, is the preface of the priesthood. Again, yes. driving home the yes. reality of what this Very mass so. is for. And so, of course, the chrism then is used at baptism, at confirmation, and then at priestly and episcopal ordinations. Right. One of my favorite amendments is uh, we had a priest of our diocese was ordained a bishop uh, to serve as a apostolic nuncio and apostolic ambassador, Archbishop Thomas Gullickson. And it was a delightful blog, by the way. And, uh, but the chrism was poured on his head at the mass, just all over the place, right. you know, and onto his chasuble, down on the floor, calling to mind Psalm uh, 133, uh, how good and present, pleasant it is when brothers uh, pray in unity. But the bishop uh, who was from Rome, who was consecrating him, like someone comes up and kind of lightly daps off the chrism on his head, but the bishop kind of takes the towel uh, from the master of so many takes and just kind of ruffles up his head. With right. it. And it's a sign of like fraternity love, almost like wanting to rub the oil even more into right. Uh, Archbishop Gullickson's head. And yeah, so, I remember uh, that. Yeah. Terrific. It's a joyful priesthood. Amen. And th- thank you for your priestly service and for saying yes. Well, thank you for your prayers. Recalled. Absolutely. So, yeah, keep that in mind to continue to pray for our priests. Yes. Bishops. Pray for your priests. Pray for your bishops. Pray for your deacons that they might serve you and bring you closer to Jesus. Amen. Thanks for being here, Father. Good to see you face to face. Good to see you face to face. I didn't have to. I didn't have to look I'm off glad, in the corner I'm, too often. I'm glad. To, I'm, I'm. I'm happy to hear that. And this is Prayer Room Companion for this week, and we'll see you again next week.